1: Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> uh,
0: I'm, I'm a bit loaded up on the leaves today, What with the hanging of the Christmas lights and all yesterday, at first I thought 1,200 linear feet might be too much. But I was wrong. That worked out. I mean, there's one bush that's, I mean, it's basically like, a light bulb because we don't really have any trees because our home is a new construction. <laughs> so it's that, you know, they give you one tree on the front of the property and that's it. And it's a really small spindly little tree. So I did not light that one, but we have some of the, you know, the contractor, the builder, they put in, you know, like six shrubs, exactly six, no more, no less, no fewer, actually six. And then there's one on the other side of the driveway. So that one's kind of lit up. Because you know you got to run the cord across. I'm not going to run lights across the driveway, so I got to run the cord across, and I just wrapped that tree up. And each strand had like 300 feet, and I bought four of them after last Christmas because that's when you get the deals, obviously. And uh, yeah, so I did all of that yesterday, and then the day before, Saturday, we did a we did the 5K, our neighborhood 5K. Yeah. Mistakes were made. I, I think that's actually what, that's what did it really. That's why I need all of the leaves today and yesterday actually. Um, but it's all right. I'm, you know, look, I play injured. That's what I do. I'm a giver. All right. So, um, hope you had a great weekend. Thanks a lot for hanging out. Remember you can get the podcast at the Pete which by the way, thanks to all of the 6,000 plus people that downloaded the podcast on Friday. I have no idea why. Um, but yeah, at like six thousand five hundred downloads of the the first hour of the program. Again, I don't know why. I mean, I'd like to think it was my compelling content, but I do compelling content all the time. I don't. I didn't advertise it. I don't. Somebody must have picked it up. Somebody picked it up, tweeted it out, or shared it on social media that I'm not on or something. Because I I see I see no footprint. Maybe it's Russians. It might have been the Russians. I don't know. Anyway, speaking of disinformation, a, uh, I was going to do this the, uh, on uh, Friday last week, but I just I ran out of time because I was doing all of the, the debate coverage, which got me the 6,500 downloads or whatever for no reason. But, um, so I never got to this topic of the censorship industrial complex, and this is sort of uh, – it's part and parcel with the Twitter files. Oh, sorry. Right, yes. So it's part and parcel of the with the the Twitter files, Facebook files, whatever else files. Uh we got more files. These come from a whistleblower. And there's a bunch of acronyms because it's all wrapped up in Govco and that's what Govco loves to do is the acronyms. And then of course you layer in there the IT profession and uh not, well not IT but um well I mean there is yes some IT but also like uh you know internet stuff and they're all about acronyms and making up words and shortening words and whatever. So there's a lot of this stuff, but I'm going to try to sift through it as best I can. This is a very lengthy piece. It's over at public.substack.com. That is the, uh, the newsletter. Substack is a platform people write newsletters on. And Michael Schellenberger, who was one of the guys who broke the Twitter files, along with Matt Taibbi. Right. All right, Matt, both of them. Uh, they're involved, I think Taibi has a, a Substack newsletter he calls Racket. Schellenberger's is called Public, but he worked again with Taibi on this, along with another person named Alex Gutentag, which means good morning in French, I believe. Um, and so I'll give you some of the high points. It's a very, 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 very lengthy piece. I'm not going to go over all of it because it's, as I mentioned, very, 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 very lengthy. So uh, just the high points here. A whistleblower has come forward with an explosive new trove of documents rivaling or exceeding the Twitter files and the Facebook files in In scale and importance, he says. They describe the activities of an anti-disinformation group. And this group called itself the Cyber Threat Intelligence League. The Cyber Threat Intelligence. Intelligence League, the C-T-I-L, the CETL. CETL. The CETL officially began, which, by the way, I, I do have to kind of chuckle, and I did when I read this, like, really? You called yourselves the League? Like this is, like like the superheroes, their super friends or whatever, like that Saturday morning cartoon show? Anyway. It officially began as a volunteer project of data scientists and defense and intelligence veterans. So data scientists, defense vets, and intel vets. But their tactics over time appear to have been absorbed into multiple official projects, including those of the Department of Homeland Security. This is dubbed the censorship industrial complex. This was the topic of a hearing on Thursday on Capitol Hill. Schellenberger was one of them. Taibbi was there as well. I have some audio. Schellenberger, I've got some audio of uh, Dan Bishop and also some audio of uh, Dan Goldman, who is just like, I'm not sure he takes a step without stepping on a rake. I'm not, I'm not sure he actually is able to even function This guy was one of the lawyers during the impeachment trial for the uh, Democrats, and then he parlayed that into a run for Congress, and so now he's a congressman. And they usually—it seems like they hand it off to him to make these compelling legal arguments so he can, like, nail people to the wall. But he usually ends up just self-owning, you know? He just—it's like he he fires the gun and— you know like it, it it blows back on him like in cartoonish fashion you know it's like the wily e. coyote of uh, of congress critters the whistleblowers documents describe everything from the genesis of modern digital censorship programs to the role of the military and intelligence agencies partnerships with civil society organizations as well as commercial media and the use of sock puppet accounts and other offensive techniques or offensive techniques what so case you're not aware, a sock puppet account is basically just a fake account. It's, a, it's an account that, much like I would put a sock over my hand and use it as a puppet in order to talk to myself, these sock puppet accounts are run by, you know, very few individuals, but they're used to boost artificially engagement. So it looks like there's a whole bunch of people talking about something or saying something, and there actually are not a whole bunch of people. The whistleblower alleges that a leader of the CTI League, a former British intelligence analyst, was, quote, in the room at the Obama White House in 2017 when she received the instructions to create a counter disinformation project to stop a repeat of 2016. So what does this tell me? 2017. So this would have been within the first like three weeks of the new year, right? Because you had the insurrection, right? On January 6th. So whatever happened at this meeting where the Obama White House instructed her to create a counter-disinformation project to stop a repeat of 2016. Oh, I'm sorry, 2017. Sorry. This was right after Trump won. Wait a minute, so he's... So Obama sets the course and then Trump takes over. And so this was operating inside the Trump administration that whole time? Hmm. Over the last year, Public, the newsletter by Schellenberger, Racket by Taibbi, congressional investigators... And others have documented the rise of the censorship industrial complex, a network of over a hundred government agencies and non-government organizations or NGOs that work together to urge censorship by social media platforms and spread propaganda about disfavored individuals, topics and whole narratives. So not only do they go to the social media companies and try to get people's posts banned, but they also spread, quote, propaganda propaganda about disfavored individuals or narratives or topics. This is the use of the sock puppets. This is an information or disinformation propaganda campaign. And it is connected to our government. And that's kind of terrifying. Back to uh, Michael Schellenberger's piece. Oh, you know what? Hang on a second. Let me play a clip of this audio. I'm not going to be able to play the whole thing, but you'll, you'll, you'll get the gist of it. Here's Congressman Dan Bishop, uh, at this hearing on Thursday talking about this uh, censorship industrial complex. And um, and I forget who he's, oh, he's interviewing. I think her name is Olivia Troy, who worked for Mike Pence's office, I want to say. There's a very odd oppositional dynamic in this hearing,
2: which uh, is striking and Ms. Troy, I wanna get at it by asking you this. You, you, you said something along the lines that the, the belief that there's, uh, has been social media censorship against conservatives is sort of a figment of conservatives' imagination. Ms. Uh, uh, Ms. Wasserman Schultz summarized it as a, as, a, as a red herring, bogus red herring. You're aware of the Missouri versus Biden district court decision that recited evidence that the White House, the FBI, CISA all engaged in working through the social media companies to conduct censorship. It was preliminarily enjoined. You're aware that the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals has reviewed that, found that the findings of the district court were well supported by evidence and modified and substantially affirmed the preliminary injunction against the government entered by, are you aware of all that? And does it affect your view? that all of this is a figment of imagination? I am aware of the decision. I also want to clarify, I, I have not actually, did never said that this is a conspiracy. You've not heard that comment from me?
0: Actually, she did say that uh, in her opening statement. She said <laughs> conspiracy. <laughs> so she lied right there.
2: So you believe there's, there is censorship going on by means of the I federal will- government on social media platforms, or has been? I can only speak to my experience and I will say that I've sat in a lot of these interagency meetings with social media companies and ultimately it was their decision and I will say that well, when it, content was removed it was ultimately up to y- y- them we followed y- y- the Yeah, process. but see that's that's what the court has said is the problem. Right. Is that the the agencies have engaged in this subterfuge where they say, Well we want you to make the decision, but they're all over them. To the point that their constant involvement makes it government
0: involvement. That's the threat. Right. Dan Bishop's exactly right. This is the problem. You got GovCo agents leaning on the social media companies, giving them lists of of offensive tweets or offending uh, actors on the platforms and hey, you should look at this, you should look at this, you should look at this, you should look at this. Why? Because the government wants it censored, but they can't do it directly. So they go to the social media companies in order to get them to do it, which is fascism, guys. For all the anti-fascists that are out there that have prided yourselves on you know being on high alert for any whiff or a sniff of uh, any kind of totalitarian fascistic uh, tyrants, this is what that looks like. If they can't do it themselves, they go around the law, they go around the spirit of the law, and they use the social media companies to do their bidding. And Bishop's exactly right. The government was all over them, constantly. By the way, he mentioned CISA, C-I-S-A. This is the Department of Homeland Security, Cybersecurity and Information Security Agency, CISA. It has been the center of gravity for much of the censorship with the National Science Foundation financing the development of censorship and disinformation tools, as well as other federal government agencies playing a supportive role. All right, do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay, so what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even because being prepared is just smart carolina readiness supply has two thousand square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency in waynesville and always at carolina readiness.com veteran owned carolina readiness supply will you be ready when the lights go out all right let's go to my uh, michael schellenberger he is um a reporter journalist guy he's written a ton of books and uh, he did one San Francisco. Um, that was one of the most recent ones. But also he was one of the guys who broke, along with Matt Taibbi, he broke the Twitter files. Right. He broke the Twitter files. And, um, and so now this is sort of like the latest installment here because uh, these are is, he calls them the, um, the censorship industrial complex. And, and he says there was a gap, basically, um, from like, Well, the year 2019, there was this sort of, well, gap in information, like they they could pick it up after 2020, they knew stuff was happening before 2020, 2019, but they didn't know, there was like this missing information in 2019, and now they know. Now they have an idea of what was going on at the time. In that there were these or, these people, they created organizations, they got plugged into all these different uh, government agencies, tech companies, and NGOs, and they developed a framework. They called it a framework. And they used it then to censor Americans on social media. Here's Schellenberg's opening remarks at the congressional hearing on Thursday. Nine months ago,
3: I testified and provided evidence to the subcommittee about the existence of a censorship industrial complex, a network of government agencies, including the Department of Homeland Security, government contractors and big tech media platforms that conspired to censor ordinary Americans and elected officials alike for holding disfavored views. I regret to inform the subcommittee today that the scope, power, and lawbreaking of the censorship industrial complex are even worse than we had realized back in March. Two days ago, my colleagues and I published the first batch of internal files from the Cyber Threat Intelligence League, which show US and UK military contractors working in 2019 and 2020 to both censor and turn sophisticated psychological operations and disinformation tactics developed abroad against the American people. Many insist that all that we identified in the Twitter files, the Facebook files, and the CTI files were legal activities by social media platforms to take down content that violated the terms of service. Facebook, X, formerly Twitter, and other big tech companies are privately owned, people point out, and free to censor content. And government officials are free to point out wrong information, they argue. But the First Amendment prohibits the government from abridging freedom of speech The Supreme Court has ruled that the government may not induce, encourage, or promote private persons to accomplish what is constitutionally forbidden to accomplish. And there's now a large body of evidence proving that the government did precisely that. What's more, the whistleblower who delivered the CTIL files to us says that its leader, a quote-unquote former British intelligence analyst, Was quote unquote in the room at the Obama White House in 2017 when she received the instructions to create a counter-disinformation project to quote stop a repeat of 2016. The U.S. Department of Homeland Security's Cybersecurity and Information Security Agency, CISA, has been at the center been the center of gravity for much of the censorship, with the National Science Foundation financing the development of censorship and disinformation tools and other Federal Government agencies playing a supportive role. Emails from CISA's NGO and social media partners show that CISA created the Election Integrity Partnership, EIP, in 2020, which involved the Stanford Internet Observatory and other US government contractors. EIP and its successor, the Virality Project, urged Twitter, Facebook, and other platforms to censor social media posts by ordinary citizens and elected officials alike. EIP reported, that they had a 75% response rate from the platforms, and that 35% of the URLs that they reported were either removed, labeled, um, or throttled, or soft-blocked. In 2020, the Department of Homeland Security, CISA, violated the First Amendment and interfered in the election. While in 2021, CISA and the White House violated the First Amendment and undermined America's response to the COVID pandemic by demanding that Facebook and Twitter Censor content that Facebook said that Facebook itself said was quote-unquote often true, including about vaccine side effects. All of this is profoundly un-American. One's commitment to free speech means nothing if it does not extend to your political enemies. In his essential new book, Liar in a Crowded Theater, Jeff Kosef, a law professor at the United States Naval Academy, shows that the widespread view that the government can censor false speech and or speech that quote-unquote causes harm is mostly wrong. The Supreme Court has allowed very few constraints on speech. For example, the test of incitement to violence remains its immediacy. I encourage Congress to defund and dismantle the government organizations involved in censorship. That includes phasing out all funding for the National Science Foundation's Track F, Trust in Authenticity and Authenticity in Communication Systems, and its secure and trustworthy cyberspace track. I would also encourage Congress to abolish CISA in DHS. Short of taking those steps, I would encourage significant guardrails and oversight to prevent such censorship from happening again. In particular, it's very easy to see the line in CISA. They say they're covering physical security, cybersecurity, but they added a third one, cognitive security, which is basically attempting to control the information environment and how people think about the world, including the stories that they tell. Finally, I would encourage Congress to consider making Section 230 liability protections contingent upon social media platforms known in the law as interactive computer services to allow adult users to moderate our own legal content through filters that we choose and whose algorithms are transparent to all of us. I would encourage Congress to prohibit government officials from asking the platforms to remove content which the Supreme Court may or may not rule on constitutional next year when it decides on the Missouri v. Biden case should the court somehow decide that the government requests for censorship are constitutional, then I would urge Congress to require such requests to be reported publicly instantaneously so that such censorship demands occur in plain sight.
0: All right, that was Michael Schellenberger. He gave some ideas, some options for Congress to look at. But what an Orwellian term. Cognitive security. This is like right out of the Minority Report movie with... Uh, Tom Cruise right years ago this movie years ago but this idea that like we can stop these things from occurring because we can basically tell the future because we have these you know clairvoyant precogs they call them cognitive security like that's 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 shark jumping territory right there uh all right Dan Goldman uh he's up next he's a congressman from New York Uh, And he's like, hey, look, just because the uh, government is leaning on the social media companies, that doesn't make it censorship. Do you think
1: it would be problematic if X leaves up terrorist violence and propaganda in violation of the terms of service?
2: Terrorist violence or terrorist propaganda?
1: If it violates their terms of service, is it it problematic?
2: Well, it depends on what the content is, but... um... You know, they're a private company. They can do what they want with the content.
1: Aha! They're a private company, and they can do what they want with the content. Do you think it's problematic that X would profit off of terrorist violent, violence uh, propaganda and content on their... By the way, he's
0: f- reading the these questions. ...platform? Well, first of all, just to go back to... No, the- no,
1: just answer the question. I don't have time. Do you think it's a pro- problem if, if they profit off of it?
2: Well... I th- if, if the company makes money doing what it does, I don't, I don't necessarily see
1: a problem with that. Okay, interesting. Um, so let me just move on because you the, said the, the, the biggest concern. The or, sir, I'm sorry. You said the biggest concern that you had from the Twitter files was the systematic flags for social media companies. Now, the Stanford EIP that you're talking about, I'm sure you are aware, the
0: Election Integrity Project, uh,
1: has documented that the social media platforms to whom they flagged potentially problematic tweets took action on only 35% of them. And only 13% of them were removed. Mr. Schellenberger, you said the biggest problem, and and let me just ask you, Mr. Tabby, real briefly, you would agree that these flags, that the systematic flags that you saw were flags for a violation of the terms of service of the social media company, is that right?
2: Sometimes, but sometimes in the case of uh, the instances like Congressman Massey, they were actually true information.
0: Right. So they were flagging things, saying violation of the terms of service, and that's how they were taking posts down at the behest of the government. Let me skip ahead here because I'm going to run out of time. This is the very end of the exchange with Michael. That was Matt Taibbi. This is Michael Schellenberg.
3: By the way, part of the operation, Congressman Holy Goldman, cow. part of the operation was to change the terms of service. So you see them constantly trying to change the terms of service you see them. It was 35% of, of the URLs that were, according to EIP, were labeled, removed, or soft-blocked. That's all forms of censorship. That Censorship is not just removal.
1: But 65% were not. So how can the government be so, so coercive? So the that does the First Amendment say that the government
3: can censor the 35%? They're not censoring.
1: They're flagging in the social media companies the so under 35% coercion.
2: of a First chair, Amendment?
1: Or? It's not the First Amendment. It's the terms of service, as you said, and they are flagging it for the social media companies to make their own decisions. That is not the First Amendment. That is the terms of service. That's Goldman. Congressman, you're an attorney, you know that the four federal judges have already be ruled that and <laughs> i know that it's on appeal in front of the supreme court right now
0: <laughs> All right so that's the that's the key is democrats are defending this censorship by saying well look it's their terms of service that that's why they're taking the post down yeah but they're taking them down at the behest of the government and then they're changing the terms of service in order to do so